0: Welcome to the worship service of St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City. Under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. Bob Long, we are a family of faith that seeks to share God's love and bring hope to the world. We invite you to join us now for a message of hope. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary... The babe leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the babe in my womb left for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord." This is the word of the Lord. Who can forget Christmas Eve of two thousand and nine? It was six years ago now, but it was a memorable one. The weather forecasters were predicting a little snow that day. They said we had a chance for a white Christmas. And how exciting is that here in Oklahoma? I was thrilled about it. And then it started to snow that morning. And it snowed harder and harder and harder. Nobody called for this much snow. It kept coming down. And finally we started hearing churches that were canceling their Christmas Eve worship services. And I thought, You've got to be kidding me. You're canceling Christmas Eve? It continued to snow. More canceled the services. I had some friends, pastors, who were calling me saying, are you all going to be open tonight? Are you going to have your Christmas Eve services? Are you going to close? And I said, no, we're not going to close. Jesus is going to be born at St. Luke's tonight. <laughs> I think they were very impressed. Though they thought we were a little foolish, it continued to snow. People were beginning to ask, Bob, should we close? No. Finally, the governor came on and said, this is a state of emergency. We're closing the freeways. We're asking everybody to stay home and get off the roads. I called the executive team together and I said, am I being hard-headed about this? They said, yes. Yes. I mean, do you think that we should close? Yes. I made one of the hardest decisions I've had to make in 40 years of ministry to say, we're not going to have Christmas Eve candlelight worship service tonight. And so I sent all the staff home. It took them two, three hours to get home. Some of them could not make it and had to leave their cars on the side of the road. I had made a poor decision. I had waited way too long before letting everybody go home. I couldn't believe there would be no Christmas Eve services. I was so discouraged and down, I, I went home. And then our son Paul and his wife Krista called. And they said, we want to come over for Christmas Eve. It turned out that Krista was expecting her first child. They could hardly wait in two weeks they were going to become parents. They were afraid they might lose power. They didn't want to have to be alone. And so they said, we want to come. We want to be with you. We asked them to please be careful. They made the drive and finally they arrived. We all settled down inside and, you know, we wanted to take care of Krista and make sure she was okay. It was the first time that she had been pregnant. She didn't really know what to expect. All you know is that, By those last two weeks, you think this baby's never going to come. We knew she wasn't feeling well. We wanted to take care of her and make sure the grandbaby was going to be okay to kind of love and dote on each other. And I got to tell you, as, as we look back on our memories of Christmas as a family, we look back on Christmas Eve of 2009 as one of our most special In spite of the fact that there was no gorgeous music and there was no silent night and there was no candlelight, it was really a very incredible Christmas Eve because we were expecting a baby and we were together to love and to care for each other. It made it a special night. I think that's what was going on in our scripture lesson this morning. In our scripture lesson this morning, we were looking at Elizabeth. If you were here last week, you know that we were talking about Elizabeth. She was married to Zachariah. They were both much older now, past childbearing years. And now Elizabeth is an older woman. She could look at all of her friends All her family who had gotten pregnant and had a baby. It never had happened for her. And then you look at Mary. Mary was so young. But Mary was having to deal with the fact that she was not married to Joseph yet. And now she was having to announce she was having a baby. It's interesting, neither woman had expected to be pregnant. You had Elizabeth, and she had seen enough of her friends through these years to know what to expect, but carrying a baby in your older years, to be heavy with child, what a difficult thing physically that was going to be. She was in her third trimester, this was going to be a hard time for her. And then you had Mary, well Mary was young, she was healthy and strong. Physically, it shouldn't have to be a problem other than morning sickness there in those first three months. But she was having to still wrestle with her mind that an angel had come and said, you have found favor with God and you're going to bear a son. I know it was hard on her. And so it was, we had Elizabeth, older, who really was able to help Mary. And you had Mary, who was younger, being able to help Elizabeth. She stayed with her for three months, that last trimester, all the way till John would be born. And I think it would be a time in which they were taking care of each other. They needed to be together. They were drawn to be together. They were there to love and to help each other. It's what happens when you're expecting. This morning, I want to continue on with this sermon series. What to expect when you're expecting. Right now, we are expecting the birth of Jesus there in Bethlehem. We are preparing. Advent is the season of preparing for the birth of a baby. And we know that when you're going to know that you're expecting and you're preparing, it's a time of waiting. And what you do in the period of waiting really determines the experience that you have when the baby is born. Now last week we all were here and we made a commitment about what we were going to do in this Advent season. I say we were all here. Actually, I'd ask, should we all gather in my office for worship last week? No, I thought it might be good for a moment for us to go back and remember what we said that all of us wanted to commit to doing. What we said we're going to commit to doing is that throughout the season of Advent we were going to get up early every day and have time to read our daily devotional, to have prayer, and to listen in silence. I told you how Marsh and I got into our habit of uh, making the coffee the night before and we get up, set the alarm early, we We put in the coffee, we plug in the lights, we start up the fireplace, the nativity scene is there on the mantle, we pray, we read, and then we sit in silence. And you'll hear God speak. And then we also said, though, God needs to have the first word in the day, but this year why not let God have the last word of the day? And what if we decided that each night when it comes towards the end would turn off the TV set, would stop working towards tomorrow and we would have time again to stop, to listen, to pray, and to let God have the last word of the day. Now, I've got to tell you, my life's pretty crazy around this season and I haven't missed since we talked about this last week. And for me, that's pretty amazing. In the morning and in the night, to let God have the first word and the last word. And I'm going to tell you, God will speak He will speak to us all. We said last week that one of the things when it happens, when you find out that you're expecting, is you start worrying about all the things in the future you can't control. When you're expecting, you worry about the things in the future you can't control. And if you and I would grow still and listen, what we're going to discover is we can find peace. Because God is with us. You'll find peace. And if you find peace in the midst of this season, then I believe you can do the other things we need to do to prepare for the birth of a baby. And that's what I want us to think about today. We need to prepare by coming together, loving, helping, being kind with one another. When you're expecting, you can't help, but want to be drawn together to bless life and help each other. what I want us to think about this morning, just two things. First of all, you and I need to commit to listen with our hearts and then look for opportunities to share love. Listen with your heart and look for opportunities to be kind. You know, I found this past week when I was sitting there one morning I was doing my devotional time, and then I was into my period of listening. And when you're sitting there listening and you're looking at this nativity scene, you find your mind starts to go certain places. And I believe that's what's supposed to happen. And I found my mind one morning going, who do I need to do something for? Who do I want to get a gift for or do something kind? Now, I have my list of all those that I know I'm going to do, I need to do. This was a different list. This was that list of who would I surprise? Who could I help? Who do I want to do something for? Sometimes it's a family member, an acquaintance, someone I work with, maybe a stranger. And I just got to tell you, as I sat there going through that list in my mind, it just did so much for my spirit and feeling Christmas. I got excited as I I started trying to listen with my heart and I think I'm going to look for some opportunities. You remember a couple years ago, I told you about a book entitled An Invisible Thread. There's a book that came out about a lady named Laura Schroff, Laura and Maurice. Laura, this took place back in 1986. Laura was 35 years old. She was living in Manhattan and she was working for a magazine. She was very successful, a very successful executive. She loved her life. She was single. She loved what she did. One day she left for lunch there downtown New York, walking on the streets when a boy stepped out with a cup and saying, Do you have any change, lady? I'm hungry. Well, she was used to panhandlers on the streets of New York. She walked right on by. But then she stopped and she turned around and looked at this boy. She said it was like there was this invisible thread, something that connected. And she stood just looking at him for a few moments. It turned out his name was Maurice. He was 11 years old. He was living with his mother, his grandmother, his two sisters. They were living in a hotel that really was a shelter for homeless people. They were homeless. He had not eaten in two days. Now, can you imagine what it's really like not to have food? I mean, he had not eaten in two days. So when he said, lady, do you have any change you can spare? I'm hungry. He meant it. And she looked at him for a moment and then said, no, I I don't have any change. But I'll take you to lunch around the corner at McDonald's if you really are hungry. So he looked at her for a moment thinking, is this safe to go with this woman or not? And he said, can I get a Big Mac? Yes. Can I get some fries? Yes. Can I get a chocolate shake? You may get anything you want. He's still trying to decide, is it safe? Should he go? His stomach was saying, yes, we go. And so he went with Laura around the corner to McDonald's. And he got his Big Mac, his fries, his chocolate shake. And they sat and they ate and they visited and there was this thread, this connection that just just seemed to happen. They got along so well that in the end, Laura said, this was a Monday, they were meeting each other, said, you want to get together next Monday for lunch? Yes. They would meet together on Monday for the next 150 weeks in a row. That was almost 30 years ago. They're still friends. They still get together 30 years later. Maurice has grown up. He has gotten married, stayed in school, got a good education, has a great job. He always wanted a big family. Now he has seven kids. They are still good friends to this day. They wrote that book, An Invisible Thread, a number of years ago. But this year they came out with a book, An Invisible Thread, The First Christmas. And when I saw that, I, I knew that I had to read it. It talks about really what had happened after they would first met and started having this lunch on Mondays. And one day she said to him, Do you guys celebrate Christmas? He said, No. We don't have any money. I don't even know what Christmas is about. Laura was a lady of faith. She knew the Christmas story. She could tell him the Christmas story. She said, have you ever gotten a Christmas present? He said, well, no, no, well, yes. He said, last year we went to the Salvation Army dinner, and when we got through, a man said, all the children can go over here, and, and you can get one present. And He said, I, I went over there, and I, I got a white teddy bear with a red heart. And he said, whenever I'm afraid, I hold on at night, and it keeps me safe. She said, you want to celebrate Christmas with me? Yes. About a week later, she got him, and they went and got a Christmas tree. He'd never had a Christmas tree. They took it to her apartment. They set up the Christmas tree. They made cookies. They had hot chocolate. It was unbelievable. She got out a piece of paper and said, all right, you need to make up a list for Santa Claus. What's that? You make up a list for Santa Claus, and then maybe on Christmas you'll get some presents. He said, that's the way it works? Well, you don't get them all. You might get some. Let's just make up a list. And so he made up a list. I want a coat. I want a hat. Uh, I want some gloves. I want a scarf. I want some shoes. I'd love a remote control race car. He made up his list. When it came to Christmas Eve, she went and got Maurice, and her sister was there, and the three of them, they had a wonderful dinner and then they went over to the Christmas tree and she said, I have a present for you, Maurice. And they handed him this beautifully wrapped gift. And he had no idea what to do with it. You got a bunch of paper around a box? What do you do with it? She said, you tear the paper off and then you open it up to see what's inside. he had never had a gift. He tore the paper off, he opened the box and there was a remote control race car. He was so excited. She said, I'll come by to get you tomorrow morning. She and her sister came by, picked him up there at the shelter hotel, and they took took him to the family dinner. All the brothers and sisters and kids were going to be there. It was going to be a huge house full. This was outside the city in a big yard. It was a lovely home. And I mean, they had this table and It had all kinds of ham and turkey and chicken. He had never seen so much food. And around the tree were all these presents, and when they started passing them out, he got just as many presents as anybody else. And when he opened them up, he got a jacket and a scarf and shoes and glove, and he got a basketball just like this other boy. When the day was finally over and they headed home, He told Laura, he said, this is the best Christmas ever. And it's not because of all that food it was amazing. And it's not because of all these presents that I really love. I think what made it a special day was I've never been at a table with so many people who liked each other, people who laughed and talked, and loved, and we held hands, and prayed. I think that's the part I like most about today. She took him back to the hotel and dropped him off. He said, thank you for the best Christmas ever. She headed back to her flat. She was thinking it was a pretty good day, too, when she walked into her apartment. When she walked into her apartment, she looked over at the tree, and She thought, I I thought we'd opened all the presents. But there was a card underneath the tree, and it said, Thank you for being my friend. Merry Christmas. And it was being held by the arms of a white teddy bear with a red heart. It was all that he had to give. They would write this book, The First Christmas, And when it came to the end, Maurice had a a statement at the end of the book. And I want to read you what he said. I remember going to my friend Laura's 50th birthday party and standing up to give her a toast. I was going down the wrong path and God sent me an angel. And that angel was Laura. I wasn't exaggerating. If it weren't for Laura, I don't know where I'd be today. Laura gave me the greatest gift of all, the gift of kindness. She believed in me, and because she did, I began to believe in myself. She encouraged me to dream, and because she did, I began to have big dreams. Because of Laura, I got off the streets, and now I have a beautiful family of my own, and I'm teaching my children the same thing Laura taught me, that even a small act of kindness, like taking a hungry kid to lunch, can make all the difference in the world. I know it did for me. Listen with your heart. And then look for the opportunity to share love and to be kind. You know, the Bible doesn't say that Elizabeth sent to Mary and said, I need you to come take care of me. No. Mary, who was now expecting... And having her own struggles, probably with her first trimester and see, and her sickness and, and struggling emotionally with the fact that she was now found favor with God, she felt in her own heart the need to go be with Elizabeth in her last trimester, to stay with her for those three months to help her, to listen to her heart and to go be kind. I believe that's how you start preparing for the birth of a baby. It's what you do when you're expecting. Secondly, accept the gift and let God believe in you. Accept the gift. You see, the gift is a baby born in Bethlehem. The gift is an expression of of God's love for the world. But more than that, it's the expression of God's love for you. You see, so often you and I carry so much guilt and we feel unworthy. We feel bad about ourselves that it's hard for us to accept the gift of God's unconditional love that comes in the form of a baby in Bethlehem. We have a hard time accepting the gift and allowing God to believe in us. I think God believes in us quite often more than we believe in ourselves. And Christmas is about that gift of God's love, that gift of God's grace. And you have to be willing to accept that and let God believe in you. When you do that, I'm telling you, it stirs something in your soul. That's what enables you to listen with your heart and see the opportunity to love and to bless and be drawn together. It starts by accepting the gift. Letting God believe in you. While I was doing my daily devotional, I have a couple that I read. I came across a fascinating story took place back in the early 1950s, it was a a story of a lady named Nell. She was from Alabama. And And Nell had come to New York. She loved the arts and more than anything she wanted to be a writer, but she was a long way from being that. But she decided to go ahead and come to New York and she got a job as an airline reservationist. And that's what she did. She worked hard, didn't make a lot of money. She'd try to write a little bit on the side. But she made friends who were involved in the arts. And they loved to get together and talk about the latest play or to get together and talk about the latest book or the current events and just discuss life in New York. She loved living in Manhattan there and, and how she was making it. Well, every year when it came to Christmas, they had a tradition. and What they decided to do is they tried to go buy the craziest gift they could for their friends for the least amount of money. I mean, they were all poor. So you weren't supposed to spend much money, but you're supposed to go buy some sort of a crazy gift. And so that's what they did each year. And through the years, though, she really got to know uh, another couple, and it was Joy and Michael Brown. Joy and Michael Brown were just a little older than her. They went up having two children. But Michael's the kind of guy, he was an entrepreneur, and he could take risks, and he was a good businessman, and even though he was a young man, he made money enough that he was able to buy a flat there in Manhattan. None of the rest of them were close to doing that. And so they enjoyed going, hanging out at his and and Joy and Michael's place. And it was at Christmas of 1955 that they invited Nell to come spend Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with them. And so she came. She got the kids a couple gifts. She got something for Joy and for Michael. She came over on Christmas Eve and they had a lovely evening. The next morning when I got up, these kids were so excited and they were so pumped. And she thought that was great. And they handed out gifts to them. And then there were gifts for Joy and gifts for Michael. And there was nothing for her. It's not like she was expecting a lot. But she had brought gifts for the kids. She would brought gifts for them. And she got nothing. She said, I was trying to act like it was no big deals. But she did feel a little strange. Finally, after they passed out most of the gifts, Joy spoke up and said, Oh, we didn't forget you. No. No, there's a, a card on the tree. It's for you. And she went over and pulled this card off the tree. And as an envelope, she opened it up and it said, You may take the next year off and do nothing but write whatever you want. Merry Christmas. And she said, What does this mean? What it means is just what it says. A year off to write whatever I want? Yes. We've had a good year. We've set aside some money. We decided we wanted to do something to help you. You can write whatever you want. If you never sell a line, that's okay. Wouldn't it be great to have the opportunity to have a fresh start and truly try? I I, I, I can't accept this. And they said, oh, but you must. Please, accept the gift and let us believe in you. She walked over the window and looked outside of New York in a snowy, snowy New York. And she thought about the opportunity before her. You know, her name was Nellie. And she thought, you know, that's not going to work. If I ever did publish anything, people would just be calling me Nellie, Nellie so she decided she was going to change her name to Harper, Harper Lee. And in 1956, she took the year and she began to write and she wrote the book To Kill a Mockingbird. Most literary scholars will say that what she probably started writing on that year was what she called To Go Set a Watchman. But they believe that what happened, it took four years for her to finally be satisfied with the way it all came out. And so she continued to modify and continued to modify. And it wasn't until June of 1960 that the book To Kill a Mockingbird came out. One of the most significant books in our country's history to deal with racism. When it came out in 1960 and immediately became a bestseller, she won the Pulitzer Prize. First book, ever to publish, and she wins a Pulitzer Prize. In 1991, they ran a survey asking people what books have affected your life? And the number one book that people said affected their life was the Bible. Number two, To Kill a Mockingbird. In 2007, Harper Lee was invited to the White House by the President to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the highest award that can be given to a a citizen in the United States. And there were Joy and Michael Brown at the celebration. They were there with Harper to celebrate in 2007, 50 years later. And they were there because she had been willing to accept the gift and let them believe in her. And I read that and thought, That's Christmas. The question is, will you accept the gift? The gift of God's unconditional love in the form of a baby. Will you accept the gift and let God believe in you? If you do, it stirs something in your soul so that you listen with your heart and you begin to see the opportunity to come together and to help and be kind and bless life. That's what you do to get ready for Christmas. That's what happens when you're expecting. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer. Amen. You've been watching the worship service of St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City. If you would like a CD or DVD of today's worship service, please call us at 405-232-1371 or visit our website at www.StLukesOKC.org. We trust that you will experience God's love and hope throughout this week. Tune in next week for a message of inspiration and hope.